Hi, I'm Robin Rice, and um, let me introduce you to my little family. Uh, this, we are the R family, so if you have the letter R, you belong to us. I'm married to Robbie Rice, who is a community director here at Watermark. And then we have Ramey, the blonde. She's our oldest. She's an event planner in Bentonville, Arkansas at Crystal Bridges. And then Riley is a senior at Oklahoma State University. And then Rhett um, is a freshman at Oklahoma State University. Okay, so today we're going to talk about fighting apathy in your marriage. We thought this would be a really fun um, talk to think about the upcoming marriage conference that hopefully all of y'all are registered for um, November 3rd and 4th. Uh, So really just like two weeks away from today. So if you haven't registered for that, do. That will also help you fight apathy in your marriage. Um, So the Barna Group does a lot of research, and recently they've done some research on marriages, and they found out that one out of every three marriages divorce at least once. Let me say that one more time. One out of every three marriages divorce at least once. So you're sitting at a table of about eight, nine women. Three marriages out of those sitting at your table will divorce. That's that statistic. That's what that's saying, which is super, you got it going? Yeah, which is super sobering. So um, many of us um, in this room may have been divorced already once. And so we're going to look at how do we fight apathy um, in our marriage so that I'm not that statistic, okay? So that I'm not that statistic. So we know that all truth is God's truth, right? And um, What better place to look for truth than what? D Magazine. Yes, you got it. D Magazine. Let's see if I can go here. So there, um, this is a really, uh, by the way, disclaimer, I do not subscribe to D Magazine. Um, Our Saint Sarah Crotty shared this with me who started Square One. How many of y'all did Square One? Um, she's the guru of square one. She taught me how to nurse. I tell her besides, um, salvation, when she came over to my house and taught me how to nurse Ramey lying down, that was the next thing. Like, oh my goodness, that totally. And I had Ramey, Riley, and Rhett before square one. So I had her in my home, which was like amazing. Um, but anyway, um, Sarah gave me this. It was actually not an article. It was just an advertisement. And these are two divorce attorneys, Kelly and Francesca, and what they did is they looked at patterns that they saw of their clients, okay? Their clients are married seeking what? A divorce, okay? So it was thought it was very uh, creative. They said 10 ways to become our client, okay? 10 ways to become our client, So we're going to play a little game, little categories. At your table is a little card. Can you wave that card up? Okay. 
You have a few minutes at your table. What do you think made that 10? Okay? What do you think in your marriage you need to be doing to become a client of Kelly and Francesca in a divorce attorney's office? What are some things that you think they saw, patterns that they saw in marriages? So y'all work together. Come up with that. Someone write it down. Only 10. Only 10. Okay. Did y'all get a chance to do all 10? Okay, so we are going to go over the answers. So it's really important that there's a scorekeeper at um, each table. I'd say, like, let's say you get it right, maybe circle it. Okay, we have prizes for the winning table. So you want to be able to make sure you keep your score. And then, um, did everyone get a handout? It looks like this, 10 traps to avoid in your marriage. Did ever, anyone not get one? They're in the back of the room, but um, you also want to be able to write these down because this is going to help you in your table discussion time, and we'll give you a few minutes at the end to reflect on your own marriage. So I think it's helpful if you just write these 10 traps down that, um, to avoid being one of their clients, okay? Okay. So um, before we jump in and start grading our cards, our category cards, um, I want us to just define the word apathy, okay? Um, And I looked at the definition according to a relationship. And so what it says is the lack of feeling, the lack of interest, the lack of passion, the lack of emotion, Um, no excitement and no concern. Kind of like this couple in this picture, they're just more interested in their phones than in each other. And then I also love this uh, word picture, uh, showing love um, with the heart, but then showing apathy, just that dead heartbeat. There's no excitement, no interest, no passion, and no emotion. So that's what we're going to fight against, and that's what we're going to learn some tools to help us fight against it. And so it's actually a countdown. If you notice on your sheet, it goes 10 to 1, okay? So we're going to start at number 10, and number 10 is friends night out on repeat. Friends night out on repeat. Uh, Francesca said that many clients come to our office complaining that their spouse has closer relationships with their friends than with their spouse. And with each one of these, I just came up with three questions to ask just so that we can be reflecting on our own lives. Number one, are you loading your social calendar up with girls' night out? Number two, are you spending more time with friends than with your spouse? And third, does your spouse complain about how much time you, you are spending with your friends? Even to the point, like, let's say you are spending time together or it's dinner time and a friend texts and you're just right on that phone and you don't put those things aside. So with all of these, we're going to fight apathy with God's word. We're going to look at what does God's word say to address it. And this goes all the way back to creation. Genesis 2, 
24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You are one with your husband. You're not two, okay? You are one with him. You're two with your friends, okay? And don't hear me say you don't need any friends. My girlfriends are a huge impact on my life. But this is one pattern when you put your friendships before your relationship with your husband. This is one pattern that can see. I love this quote, too, that says, No marriage will last a lifetime if left on the back burner. Give your marriage the best investment that you can. Give him the best, not the leftovers. Not the leftovers. Okay, so did anyone get that one? Oh, good. I see that. Okay, so make sure you're circling it on your scorecard. Number nine is holding grudges or scorekeeping, okay? We could also call a little unforgiveness here. I hear lots of cheering from the crowds. Looks like there were lots of those that caught that one. Many clients come in and complain that their spouse is mad about something that happened 10 years ago, okay? 10 years ago. That's holding a grudge. Some questions here is, Concerning my husband, is there something I need to forgive? Do I need to ask forgiveness for something that I did? And then, just am I an angry person? Anger shows that bitterness and that resentment that's deep within my heart. And am I allowing anger and bitterness to rule my life in that? We also added scorekeeping because... You know how it is in a relationship. Well, I put the kids to bed the last three nights. What are you going to do, you know? And we start to keep score in our relationship, and that can be unhealthy. And that can lead to a division and not to unity. So what does God's Word say about it is Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Um, When Robbie and I first got engaged, his aunt and uncle, who were the founders of Campus Crusade for Christ, Bill and Vonette Bright, said, we would love to sit you down and give you some marital advice. And we were like, are you kidding me? So we like sat down, pen and paper, and they told us many things. Um, This is one of the things they said, that when they get in a disagreement, they say 12 words to one another. And that is, I am sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me, I love you. What do you think's the hardest to say out of those 12 words? Yeah, because I was right. I mean, that's why we're having this argument. I'm right, you're wrong. Um, and so in those 12 words, I love what Bill and Vonette told us is how sweet it is when she would start it and he would finish it with her. Because you're on the same team as your husband. You aren't on separate teams. You're in the same uniform, on the same side. 
Rooting for what? Your marriage and that oneness again that we saw in Genesis. You're not against one another. A little side note, we did this with our kids, and I many times said these 12 words to my children when I would be, my tone would be super sassy and angry. I would go back and say, Mommy wants to say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Forgive my tone. Forgive my anger. And I love you. And then it was wonderful to be able to do that with our kids. To say, hey, Ramey, I think you owe Riley the 12 words. And they would go and say those to one another. It was so neat. Rhett now is 6'3", 200 pounds. He's home um, during lunch one day. And I was home for my lunch Um, last year, his senior year, and he told me something that a teacher said to him and what he said back. And I just said, hey, Rhett, you owe her 12 words. And when I see you at dinner, you better have said those. I said, you don't have to tell your teacher you love her. (laughs) You can just say, I'm glad you're my teacher, you know. And um, sure enough, he came home and he said, yeah, I said those 12 words. But those are just a great practice to say. We're all on the same team. And I love it when I start it with Robbie and he finishes those 12 words with me. He knows that. It's hard to say those, especially the I am wrong uh, is difficult. Um, Okay. So, sounds like a lot got that. What about this one? Number eight, secret inappropriate relationships. We could take a fair there, any of those. Circle that one. Um, if If you're not willing to share the relationship with your spouse, then it probably isn't a relationship you should be having. Okay? Uh, A couple of questions here. Thought this was a great one. Katie came up with this, Chris's wife, who's on staff with me. Um, Am I comfortable with my spouse having full access to my phone at any time? Anytime, could I give my phone to Robbie and he could look at whatever any old text, emails, anywhere I was on social media? Am I fine with that? Am I an open door? Number two, how are my relationships on social media? Am I flirting with someone? Am I, have I started um, a friendship with somebody that maybe I dated in high school? And I find my heart just pattering to see a response or like or something with that. And third, am I entering an emotional inappropriate relationship at work or at the gym? Great questions just to ask and to probe within my own life, where am I with all that? Um, Fighting apathy here, I love this Proverbs 30 verse 20. This is the way of the adulterous wife. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. And so in these questions, some of it doesn't feel super wrong. What's wrong with being friends with someone I was friends with in high school? Okay, what's wrong with flirting with someone at the gym? Okay, what's wrong with any of that? But those things can lead to 
an inappropriate relationship, which can end up in an office I don't want to be in at all. Now, I come from a divorced family, and um, my dad left because of an adulterous relationship. The Lord used that in my life to bring me to Jesus. Literally, I understood God was my father, and he was my heavenly father. And he moved into that role when I was in middle school, actually at the school I taught at. And God used that to really draw me to know him. But he also used that to make sure that I was a woman that would safeguard my marriage to never fall into that cycle, into that trap that my father did, and actually my grandfather too. So just compromising in little areas can lead to that. So it's really vital that we're guarding our marriages from that. Um, Hidden spending is number seven. We could take finances Circle that answer. Hidden spending is number seven. Don't sign up for secret credit cards or hidden bank accounts. Um, Questions I ask here is, am I hiding a credit card or a bank account from my spouse? Am I being deceptive in any of the ways that I'm spending? And then, am I completely open in my spending with my spouse? Okay? That he knows all, and it's a complete open book with that. A great way to fight apathy here is Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I love this picture here of this tree, because it shows on the left that when you conceal, the tree is dead. And that's what happens to my marriage when I conceal my sin, when I'm deceptive. But on the right side, when I avail, when I confess, there's growth. It's beautiful. And it's open. And that's what I want my marriage to be, um, growing like the right side of this tree. Okay, number six, disputes regarding children. Did y'all get this one? Disputes regarding children. So it could just be playing kids, looking at your kids, raising kids. Guys, conflict and disagreement will come with raising children. Okay? Surprise, surprise. He was raised in a completely different home than you were raised. So you're trying to come in one home, hopefully, you're trying to come in one home and raise these kids. And so it is normal that you are going to disagree on issues when it comes to raising kids. Uh, The first question here is, am I communicating my style of parenting with my spouse? My viewpoint, where I'm coming from with this. Secondly, am I allowing conflict to cultivate in regard to raising our children? And then third, just am I an angry person? Again, do I see that anger and resentment um, raised up when it comes to issues about my kids? 
Um, a great verse that goes with this is Philippians 2.2. All Philippians chapter 2 is beautiful in the way that it confronts and addresses uh, unity in that. But it says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. It's a beautiful way to come together and talk through those differences. Robbie and I many times use community with that to process where we were coming from in those disagreements to get on the same page. And since marriage and families are an incentive and an initiative this year, um, we've started Parenting on Point, which is um, a great class. Robbie and I took it, in the pilot one, in 2013. And then it kind of died down, and we restarted it, Chris and I did, this last fall. And we will start the second session. It's on Thursday night, 6.30 to 8, um, January 19th through, the, through February 3rd. It'll be six weeks long, and then we'll end on actually a Friday night with dinner in the last session from 6 to 8, and Watermark Kids is provided completely free please come and join us. If this is where you are and you're needing help with raising your kiddos, come join us. What we do is it's set up similar to this. We take a topic, we teach on that topic, and then every table group has a mentor couple. And that mentor couple leads you through some discussion questions, but then also just shares their own life and what, how they're um, making those decisions, how they made those decisions. All the mentor couples are ahead of you in parenting, okay? Most of us are empty nesters, kids married, moved on type of thing. So come join us. If you're interested, email um, Mary Grace, that's mglong at watermark.org. It'll also be in the current and in the Watermark News um, really soon. So we'll get that out. Okay. Number five, lack of emotional intimacy. Don't forget to grade your scorecard. Number five, lack of emotional intimacy. Um, when you look at what the, what the definition of, um, emotional intimacy, what they mean by that here is it's an ongoing, Revealing, being known by my spouse, but also fully knowing him. And that's ongoing, okay? Robbie and I have been married 25 years. He's a different man today than when I married him 25 years ago. So it's going to be an ongoing process, okay? Some questions to ask here. Is there an emotional connection with my spouse? Do I fully know my spouse? And am I fully known by my spouse? Am I sharing and being fully known and open with him? The scripture that we want to fight apathy here is Proverbs 20, verse 5. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. And I love that. I want to be a woman that draws out of Robbie 
to be fully known, that he feels the freedom to share those things and not the judgment or the criticism, but the freedom to be able to share each one of those things with me. These are some great tools that can help you in building emotional intimacy. We use this book. It's called the Book of Questions. And you just pick a number and you ask that question. And I like it because there's questions in there that I normally wouldn't ask, okay? Um, This is one that um, couples use called Table Topics. It's a little box, and you can draw a couple cards on your way out for a date or on a walk and ask those questions. This is one that Chris's family uses. It's an app called Let's Talk. Um, It's pretty cool because it has stuff you can even ask your children. So it has topics that you can go through. And then one of them is dating. So that would be the one that I would use with my spouse to build that emotional intimacy. But it also has other questions that you could use, like at the dinner table with your kids and stuff. And that's an app. And then I'm going to give you all time at your table to maybe share some tools that y'all use. So if you're thinking of one that you use, jot it down to be sure to share those with the gals at your table. Okay, next is neglecting oneself. Did y'all come up with that one? Neglecting oneself. Circle that one. Um, We all have hectic schedules, and they absolutely drain our energy and can keep us so busy that you often forget to take care of yourself spiritually, emotionally, and physically, okay? And so some questions to ask here is, am I consistently spending time in God's Word Am I consistently taking care of my body, getting rest, encouragement, physically? And then am I neglecting myself emotionally? How am I doing in my mind emotionally? Ways that we can fight apathy here is 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. I love what Kay Wyma led our leader's time this morning. And I love how she emphasized, we are the daughter of the king. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. And to take care of this temple that he's given us to take care of this temple that he's given us. There's so many neat tools. Again, I want you to share those at your table. What I'm doing right now is I listen to the Bible on the Bible app, and I follow along in my ESV and mark keywords. And then I listen to the Bible recap. I love this. It's going through the Bible chronologically. You can start at any time. Tara Lee Cobble does it. It's brilliant. It's wonderful. And then our community group, what we do is we text each other every day. What did I learn in the Word? Just one little sentence or two or nugget or verse. What did I learn in the Word? And I love that accountability it gives me. I need women 
to hold me accountable to be in God's word, okay? And that helps me fight apathy and not be apathetic. Um, I've done Join the Journey for years. I, I did that for years. It's wonderful. Now it's a podcast and you can listen to it and read along. Um, I still keep up with my discipler that discipled me in college. And last time she was in town, she gave me this journal. It's called, it's hard to see. It says, give me Jesus. It is brilliant. Okay. It's just a journal, but it has you journal today's gratitude. What am I grateful for? And then be still and know, and then what am I digging in deep in God's word? And then what did I learn about God? What did I learn about myself? And then I write a prayer. I've memorized it because now I like, I Googled to buy the next journal and it was really pricey. I was like, wow, Mary Frances spent a lot on that for me. I'm just going to do it in a plain old journal. And I do it every time I journal I journal those aspects, but I love the reflection that it gives for me to cast my eyes on the Lord. And then um, when I had little ones, I did Beth Moore's um, A Heart Like His. That is a great, it's a journal and a study on David. It's all in one, which is really nice when you have little ones to have it all there. And I fell so in love with David that by the end of it, when he passed, I'm bawling. I'm, I'm like in tears. I also think I was emotional mom, you know, all that. But it was beautiful and such a sweet, sweet uh, time in God's Word. I, I reflect back on that. And then how many of y'all have ever done New Morning Mercies? That's a great one. It's really nice because it just has the date, and you can read scripture and dive into that. Again, ladies, it's so vital that I'm filling me up spiritually, my connection with the Lord. And that was another thing Bill and Vonette Bright sat us down and said, walk in the Spirit. And boy, Robbie Rice's wife, that's hard to say, is so much better to be married to when I'm in the spirit and not in the flesh. So use any of these tools that you can to feed your soul. That is vital in doing that. Um, Physically and emotionally to take care of yourself, get rest. I don't know about you, but when the kids were little and taking naps, it was like, Do I just go to sleep or do I get something done? And many times going to sleep ruled, especially when I was not sleeping through the night and trying to um, train them to sleep through the night. Get yourself some rest. I don't know about you, but I I have to have eight hours. Have to, okay? I know there's some moms out there going, oh my goodness, I would love four. Um, But get yourself some rest and take little cat naps when you can, when the kids are down. Um, Also, maybe for you physically, it's just I need to eat healthy and think of things that I need to put in my body so I have energy um, to make it through the day. And then for some of y'all, it may be just going on a walk, exercising, okay, riding a bike 
doing something that you're just getting outside and getting out of that uh, routine. Um, For years, so in college, my roommate and I did this diet called the Hilton Head Metabolism Diet. And in the diet, it had this walk that you do for 20 minutes, 20 minutes after you eat. And it was called the Metabolism Walk. Well, her dad was real into the diet, and his name was Bo. So we would call it a Meta-Bo after her dad. And so we, I've been doing this for, since college, a Meta-Bo. And now Robbie does it. Our kids did it. And it's just a way of life. So 20 minutes after we eat, all we would do is do the dishes, and then we're out the door. And with kids, we had scooters and bikes and balls and dogs and, you know, everything going. And it's just getting my body out instead of Hilton Head. His idea was instead of sitting after you eat, just get your body out and walk for 20 minutes. I don't have to be punching. I don't have to be moving my arms. I can just be walking. Now, sometimes you are because you have kids and you're like doing all of that, you know, at the same time or throwing a football or whatever. But just to get out and take, and we call it a metabo. It was so cute. Our kids, when they were little, couldn't say metabo. So they'd be like, are we going on a netabo? And we'd go on a netabo. But we still now, in our empty nest season, we metabo in the evenings together, which is really fun. And it was super fun. I had apples of gold at my house, which is for young married women um, the other week, and we all went on a metabo after we had dinner together. So um, just make it a pattern of your life. Um, I also want to share, I, I used these little books to pray. This is The Power of a Praying Wife. Have y'all heard of these? Yes? And The Power of a Praying Parent. I took it to FedEx and had them put it in a little spiral bound, And I know Mandy shared this last time, like, have your Bible open. It made me think of this. I just have this open to the next day. And it just has a beautiful prayer to pray for my kids. And it's always open, always open, just right there. And then it has verses. And when they got older, and now they're older, I text them that verse, just one of those verses. I'm praying, you know, Proverbs 5.1. And they can look it up. You know, but I'm praying that for you, okay? Um, I cannot tell you, even last week, the things that she has me pray, I would not think about without that. And I love that. So last week, my, um, I was praying for Rhett. He is, he's on his third sickness at OSU, and that can be kind of defeating, um, you know, fall semester, being sick all the time. And what did she have us pray for but literally the health of our children? And one of the sentences in there was, Lord, if you need to send us to a specialist, show us where you need to send us. And then the next day, my sister-in-law tells me, just by a story, a way of a specialist. And it was just like, so God, how he works. But just specific things that she has me pray in here, I wouldn't typically pray on my own. And that's why I love it. And it's just, if if you miss one, great. Then you go to the next date. I mean, no one's keeping score with that. It's just tools to help us 
be women to fight apathy in our marriages and to walk with Jesus. Because why? I'm a much beautiful woman filled with the Spirit than, with the, than in my own flesh. Okay, so that was a lot on that one, but that was really good. To go to number three, negativity. Just being negative. Don't forget, grade your little card. Who got negativity? Anybody? Um, don't be downbeat, disagreeable, skeptical. Um, it's having a really pessimistic attitude that always expects the worst. Do I consistently criticize my spouse? Do I whine and complain to him? And do I expect perfection out of him? And so sometimes this negativity, um, Wednesday night in Apples of Gold, Judy Wimberly was talking about how comparison can pull in that negativity. And I totally agree. For instance, listen to this sentence. I was at Annette's house, and you would not believe how beautiful it is. What is that saying about our house? It's a dump. Fix it up. We need to move. We need to do something. But that part of comparison pulls in negativity in my heart and can pull it in into my marriage. Um, a great verse to fight that with is Proverbs twenty-seven fifteen through 16. This is not who I want to be. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restra- restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. And imagine that. There's no way you can control it. I mean, your hands are trying to stop the dripping, okay? And that constant quarrel, quarrelsome um, negativity can really be taxing on a marriage. So to say, to fight apathy here, I need to be a woman that's going to be uplifting my husband with words of encouragement. That's why this book really did help that, because I was praying different things in my husband's life that I typically wouldn't be praying for, and I was texting him a verse that related to that. And that the beauty in that is so great. Okay, number two, no date nights. Did y'all get that one? No date nights. Sometimes we get busy and we forget to date our spouse. We forget to prioritize time together. And you need to get away from friends, from family, and from the kids. Couple of questions here. Do I prioritize time with my spouse for dates? When was the last time I asked my spouse out on a date? And do um, do my spouse and I have a consistent scheduled date night? Some questions to ask there. How do we fight apathy? Here is First Peter four eight. Above all, keep loving one another. Guys, it's so crucial that we are working on this. It's continual, okay? Because then when you reach that emptiness stage where we are, it's not like, oh, let me introduce you to myself. I'm Robin. Who are you? 
What have we been doing for the last 25 years? Okay? I also love Romans 12.10, to outdo one another, to think creatively. How can we outdo one another? So Robbie and I, there was a period in our date night planning. I don't know about you, but we just did the same thing. You know, the same restaurant, same activity, whatever. So we said, okay, we're going to take turns planning. I'm in charge of one week, and then the next day, you're in charge. And that was really fun. We went to different restaurants. I would ask people. I would put a little more work into it than I did before, back like you did when you dated. Maybe you don't have anyone to watch the kids, okay? Trade with a friend, someone in your community group hey, will you do Friday night and then the next Friday we could do a date? Try doing that. There's nothing wrong with having dates in the middle of the day, okay? Day dates to get away. Even if kids are at preschool, okay? And you could just grab some time with your husband during that time. Be creative and think of ways that you can get alone without the kids. Martha shared yesterday, some of their dates are just in their backyard with no devices, just sitting back there, talking and engaging with one another, and the kids are asleep. But plan that time to have dates and to get away. And then number one, drum roll, last one. Here we go, drum roll. Last one is lack of sexual intimacy. Did anyone get that one? Circle that one on your score sheet. Guys, or ladies, we are all tired. We have long days. But think about the message you're relaying to your spouse when you consistently and constantly turn them down. Do I consistently turn my spouse down sexually? When was the last time I initiated uh, sexually with my spouse? And then do we consistently have sexual intimacy? Great questions to ask. Um, I would say being tired is, goes hand in hand with being a mom. We are exhausted And I don't know about you, but I had so many hands touching me, I just didn't want another one, you know? Just like, can I just crawl right here and go to sleep, you know? Don't notice me. Don't say my name. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 4 and 5, basically sums it up as, my body is not my own, and his body is not his. And they are a gift to one another. And if I do refrain, if I do constantly say no, it is in agreement. We've come to agreement to do that. It's not just my choice, okay? And so thinking creatively, it doesn't have to be at the end of the day and the kids are asleep. Take advantage of nap time. While they're down, you can go down real quick and get up. Okay? Think creatively with that. Um, One thing we did 
to fight apathy here is whoever planned the date also planned the intimacy. So you knew it was coming. You know what I mean? You're mentally like, okay, we're having a date on Friday night. Guess what comes with that, Robin? Okay. And so if I'm in charge of that, I'm also planning that. And that also um, brought in just a really sweet time in, in our marriage, looking back on that. Honestly, I'll be completely honest, um, our whole community group was in this season and having a hard time. So we held each other accountable to it. We got together all, we were like, how are you doing? Great, how are you doing? You know, and shared ideas with that. Um, so be open with that if that's an area that you're struggling in. Why, ladies, it's a fight. It's a fight for our marriages. It's a fight. Okay, so real quickly, take out your scorecards. What do we have? Um, do we have any 10 out of 10s? A hundreds? No? How about a 90%? Did anyone get 9 out of 10? No A's. Okay. What about 8? Did anyone get 8? 7? Woo! We have a winner. Oh, you're 7? You're... <laughs> So we have a tie for seven, a tie for seven. Okay, let me break the tie. Um, pick a number between one and ten. It was nine. So y'all win, and everyone here gets um, a Watermark gift card to the coffee shop to go have coffee right after this. So you can be a wait for your date tonight. <laughs> oh, okay. That's it. Good job. Way to know. Way to know all the answers. Okay. Right now, what we're going to do is... The biggest part of studying and learning God's Word is to apply it, okay? We don't want to be um, just women that hear the Word and walk away and forget what we just heard. We want to apply it. So we're going to do two different things, but the first thing we're going to do is individually. I want you to look at that sheet and I want you to find areas that y'all are doing well in. You know, these are things we're doing well in. Maybe you can put a check next to those. And then I want you to look at that and see some, these are where we're weak, okay? This is where we're weak. And what could I circle? Maybe circle that number of the one you need to put attention to or the ones you need to put attention to. Guys, I did this. This was convicting to me. And one of our homework pieces will be to talk to your spouse about it. And it was so good for our marriage to sit down and talk through some of these. Why? Because I want to be a woman not in a divorce attorney's office, right? I want to be a woman 
that has a marriage that's thriving and striving and working through that. So take a few minutes and do that individually right now. Okay, before we get to our table time, let me pray for us. Let me pray for our marriages, and then we'll have some great discussion time. Let's pray. Lord, we call upon you. Um, You are the author of marriage, and you designed it and created it. And thank you for each one of these women in here. Thank you for just time to sit down and to reflect on our own marriages. And I pray, Lord, that we would be women that don't just hear your word, but that we would apply it. And we would think of ways and walk in your Holy Spirit as we interact with our spouses. Thank you for this time, and I commit it completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen.